Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Lord, we want to thank you for a brand new day. Uh, we thank you that you have now left us in the dark, Lord, uh, in regards to who you are and your intents. But we thank you, Lord, uh, in your word, you've revealed your heart. You've revealed your nature. You revealed your love for each one on the screen. So, Lord, I just pray that you'd meet us through the word today. Holy Spirit, I know you're the great teacher. And I pray that you would just highlight and underline to each of us, those particular parts of Hebrew 11 uh, that really would speak to us personally at this point. So, Father, we, we come expecting you to meet us through the word. And we thank you, Lord, just for your presence with us. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Some of you want to stretch again? You go for it. Okay. I'm going to read Hebrews 11, and then we'll begin to take it apart. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up, that he should not see death, and he was not found because God took him. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city, which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore also, there was born a one man, and him as good as dead, at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, 
if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, and Isaac, your descendants, shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, even when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, and they put foreign armies to flight. When women received back their dead by resurrection, others were tortured, not accepting their release, in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Wow, that's a mouthful here. A lot going on in this chapter. So uh, as I'm looking here at Hebrews 11, uh, five things hit me. And I'd like to unpack them today. Number one, what is the importance of faith? And secondly, uh, what actually is faith? Okay. The third thing, there are different examples of faith. And we'll look at those. And four, let's make it personal. How is our faith doing? And five, how do we increase our faith? So, okay, that's the five points. And we'll look at them. So 
let's look at the first one, the importance of faith. And before I actually jump into Hebrews 11, uh, I'd like to give you a verse. And it's written actually one, two, three, four times in the Bible, okay? Uh, and it's this. Uh, it's found in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And it says this, the righteous will live by his faith. Okay, let me say it again. The righteous will live by his faith. That's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. By the way, that same exact verse is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. It's also found in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11 and Hebrews 10, 38. So, friends, if God says something once in the word of God, it's important. But if God repeats himself, and here time, four times, he quotes the exact same verse. If he repeats it four times, it's like God is putting an exclamation mark after that specific verse and said, hey, this is really, 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 really important. So what God is saying here in those verses is that if we want to live a righteous life, a life where we have a right relationship with the Lord, the Lord is clearly saying, if that's what we want, we want to be in right relationship, then we need to do that by walking by faith. And by the way, walking by faith in all areas of our life. Okay? So that would be walking by faith in our finances. Walking by faith in regards to our health. It could be walking by faith in our relationships with other people. Uh, it could also be walking by faith in the ministry God has given us. So faith is extremely important, extremely important. And God says to walk with me, I'm calling you to walk by faith. And it says this actually in Hebrews 11:6, 6, as we jump in chapter 11 here, Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. Okay, hear it again. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want to please God, if you want to put a smile on his faith, face, then basically we need to be able to exercise faith in them. Okay, so faith is extremely important, point one. Extremely important. Without it, we can't please God. Second point I want to look up is, okay, what exactly is faith? Okay, let's nail that down. What is faith? That faith means to believe, to believe God. It says this in Hebrews eleven six. okay, right here in the chapter. It means to believe that he is. So to have faith means to believe that there is a God. And I think people on the screen, I, I can't imagine anybody out here doing the soap is going to doubt whether there is a God. I, I think that's a given. But it means not only to believe there is a God, it also means to believe the God that's portrayed in the Old and the New Testaments. It means to believe his character. God has revealed himself as he's interacted with mankind over thousands of years. He's revealed who he is. He's revealed that he's a God of love, that he's good, that he's kind. He's revealed that he has all knowledge and all wisdom, that he's all powerful, that he's holy. Uh, he's revealed that he's the sovereign God, that he's gracious, that he's merciful, that he has wrath against sin. Many, many characteristics. 
So faith means to believe, yes, there's a God, number one. Number two, it means to believe in his character, and it also means to believe in what he says. So that when God says something in the word of God, we believe and we take it at face value. If God said it, then that's the truth. And we need to lean into that truth by believing in him. So another word, I think we could kind of almost intertwine with the word uh, faith. And the three of these come together. Faith, belief, and trust are very, very similar in the Bible. They're almost simultaneously the same thing. So we could say to have faith is to believe in God. We can say that it's to have faith in God. And we could also say it means to trust him. To trust him. Again, to trust his character. And, you know, that's a challenge sometimes. To trust his character when things are going haywire and the lights seem to go out in our life and we're and bombarded with problems. It's tough to trust his character. And yet, that's what faith does. It trusts the character of God. So if you actually want to know exactly what faith is, the definition that God gives, and it's the only definition of faith in the word of God, it's found in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if I get it straight, faith would be an assurance a conviction in my heart, in my spirit, of things that are going to be happening in the future. But to me, it's like I have them now, because if God said it, and God said, I'm going to do it, in a sense, in my heart and mind, it's as good as done. If God said it, I'm exercising faith in that, even though I don't see it with my eyes yet, and even though it's in the future, in a sense, yes, yeah, in the future, but it's in the present, because I'm receiving it, by faith. So faith is belief, it's trust in a God, in his character, and trust that when he says something, he means exactly what he's saying. So let me give you some examples of faith. We've, we've talked about the importance of faith. We've talked about, well, what is it? Well, let's look at it, practically speaking, what, what does faith look like when it's engaged? In, in action. So if you look at 11.7, Hebrews 11.7, it says, by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, here again, righteousness, which is according to faith. So uh, if you look back at Genesis chapter 6, um, just write these down if you want. I don't have time to bounce back and forth and have you look them up and wait. But here's what it says. In Genesis 6, 13, the Lord said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. And he says here, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. So God was very clear. He told Noah, hey, the world is going down the tubes. It's evil. It's wicked. I'm going to destroy it. And I want to save you, Noah, and your family. So you go build an ark. Now, you think of the ridiculousness. Noah is building a ship in the land, not around water at all. Obviously, I'm sheep, 
people, he's a laughing stock, I'm sure, of his society. Everybody's saying, this guy's nuts. He's building this crazy ship in no water. He is a lunatic. But Noah heard God. See, there's the key. He heard God, and he trusted that he heard God, and he did what God asked him to do. So he trusted that if God said a flood's coming, he couldn't see it with his eyes. He couldn't see the flood. It even wasn't present. It was in the future. But Noah believed God's word, and he acted on it. Okay, another illustration of faith. If you look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So, uh, again, if we flip back to Genesis 12, you'll see that God gave a word to Abraham. This is Genesis 12, 1 to 4. And the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I'm going to show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. So you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. There again, Abraham is in a foreign land filled with pagans. He hears the word from God, and he literally leaves his comfortable homeland going to a place he has no clue, but he knew God said, do it. And because he heard the voice of God, he trusted the voice of God, and he obeyed and went forward. Perfect illustration of faith. Abraham had a wife by the name of Sarah. Look at verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life. So God told Abraham and Sarah, hey, you're going to have a kid. By the way, they're getting up there. I believe Sarah's around 99. Abraham's around 100. I mean, well, I, I, maybe Sarah's not quite not. I forget. She might be 86. Whatever. Listen, she's beyond child boying age. Let's just put it that way. There's no baby that's supposed to come naturally. But God said, guess what? You're going to have a child. And Abraham and Sarah believed it. And it's interesting, it's really important to me, the end of 11. Listen to what Sarah said. She considered him God faithful who had promised. There's the question, and do we do, we, do, we do that? She considered God faithful who had promised. So do we believe when God makes a promise that he's going to indeed follow up on that promise and make good to it? Sarah believed it. God said it, she said, I'm going to believe it. There's a neat verse in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says this, God's not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So Moses is saying through Numbers, hey, God, he's not fickle like us. He doesn't tell lies. He doesn't change his mind. If God says it, guess what? He is going to do it. God told the Israelites at one point, you know, when I open up the Red Sea and you go to the promise that I will meet your every single need. And guess what? The Israelites didn't believe it. They doubted. 
And because they doubted, they whined, they complained, and they murmured. God not only said, am I going to lead you through the wilderness and meet your needs? He said, I'm actually going to bring you into a promised land. It's going to be an amazing land. And guess what? Millions of Jews didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. Only two people came in, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of the whole generation, it was called an unbelieving generation. So there is faith that when God says something, he's going to pull it off and we trust him or we don't trust him. And if we don't trust him, we're going to be like the Israelites and probably murmur, complain, and get ticked off. So again, Caleb, Joshua illustrated, if God said it, we're going to do it. Even though there's giants in the land, guess what? Our God is bigger and our God is able to give us the victory. Look at verse 17, another illustration of faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only son. Get that. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, guess what? God will test us. Okay? This, we need to get that straight. When you're at school, teachers will test you. Why? They want to test you to see if you've learned the material. And sometimes we pass, sometimes we fail. God tests us, and here's the deal. I think this is important. He tests us not so much for his knowledge. He knows if we're going to pass the test or fail. It's not like he has to figure, oh, let's give a test. Not, let me see which way. I'm not sure. God knows. The thing is, we don't know. God tested Peter. We looked at that, one of the soaps back aways. The Lord knew Peter was going to drop the ball. It was Peter that needed to realize that his faith was little and not strong. So God allows our faith to be tested basically to show us, hey, you think you have great faith? Well, let's just see. I'm going to allow a test to happen. And boy, did God give a mighty test to Abraham to slay his own son. Uh, if you look at Genesis 22, you'll see as Abraham executes what God said, it goes further saying, Abraham said, you know, God, you said, you're going to bless my progeny. You're going to multiply all this great group of people are going to come from my loins. Well, Lord, even if Isaac is killed, I'm trusting you're going to raise him up. Because somehow, if you said, I'm going to have all these kids, then it's got to happen. And again, he trusts God. Probably one of the greatest, greatest tests that anybody's had. And Abraham passes it with flying colors. That's why I believe the Bible calls him, he's literally the father of faith. He demonstrated an amazing faith, waiting 25 years for a baby. And then when he's asked to slay the baby, he's willing to do it because he trusted God was faithful to his word. Okay, let's look at another one, 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. So Isaac blesses his sons because he says, I know I'm blessing you because you are going to be part of the promised generation that are going into the promised land. 21, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on top of a stand. So Jacob, again, he's blessing his kids because he says, I know God said we're going to go into the promised land. We're going to multiply. So I am acting in faith. If you look at 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel 
and gave orders concerning bones. So Joseph says, I know. I know we're going to the promised land. I get it. And by the way, I want my bones carried there. Don't leave them here in this foreign land. I trust that if God says we're going somewhere, guess what? We're going to go there. If you look at 24, another illustration of faith. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So Moses basically is trusting again that God is going to deliver the people of Israel and that God's going to use him as an instrument to get the people of Israel out of Egypt. But what I find very interesting, look at verse 27, key verse. It says this, by faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Get this next verse. For he endured as seeing him who is unseen. That's what faith is about, folks. It's he endured. How did he endure? He endured as seeing him who's unseen. He believed that God was there, even though he couldn't see him. Okay, he had a burning bush. Okay, sometimes we have a burning bush. God is clear as the day. I mean, you know his presence is there. You can sense it. You can feel it. But there's other times that we can't seem to find God. We can't sense him. We can't feel him. Nobody walks in a conscious sense of God's presence 100% of the time. And Moses learned that if he didn't have burning bushes every single day, it's okay. I know there's a God. And I know just because I can't see him with my eyes at a given point, he's still real. So how did Moses keep going on? He endured, believing that there was a God leading and guiding him, even though he could not see him at all points with his own naked eye. Uh, look at 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them. God told Moses, tell the people of Israel, take blood of a lamb, put it over the top of your doorpost, because an angel is going to come, a destroying angel, and it's going to kill the firstborn of Egypt. God said to Moses, this is what I'm saying. Moses believed it. He told the people of Israel to act on it. And they were saved, and the firstborn of Egypt were killed. Again, Moses trusted the word of God. Look at 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. The Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. So again, what's being said here is Moses believed that God was going to open up the Red Sea. The people of Israel whined, and they complained. If you remember, here's the Red Sea. And back, the, the Egyptians are chasing them. They're caught in the middle. They're freaking out. Like, what the heck is this about? Moses, here's a word from God. Hey, lift up your staff. And Moses believed that when he was told by God to do something and he did it, guess what? The Red Sea opens. Again, Moses illustrates what it means to trust God. And if we trust God, we're going to act on what he asks us to do. Look at verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. If you uh, have a chance sometime, if you look at Joshua chapter 6, let me read this. Joshua chapter 6, 1 to 5. It says this. 
Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out, no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, I see I've given Jericho into your hand with his king and his valiant warners. You shall march around the city, all the men of you circling it of the city once. You shall do it for six days. Also seven priests, and he says the priests are going to do their blowing their ram horn and all that good stuff. Five. Uh, and it says it shall be that when they make a long blast at the end of that week with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. The wall of the city will fall flat down and the people will go up every man straight ahead. That made no sense. I mean, Joshua is almost like it's almost like a laughing stock. All the Israelites are wa they're walking around Jericho day after day. They're just walking around. And then at the end, they're supposed to make a big shot. And guess what? These mighty walls are going to crumble. No logical sense whatsoever. In fact, they're probably thinking the people on the walls of Jericho are thinking they're some kind of nuts. But guess what? Joshua heard the word of God. Joshua trusted the word of God. And because he trusted, he did exactly what he was asked to do. And guess what? The walls came down. If you look at verse 32, all these illustrations of faith. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Illustrations of people that walk by faith. David's a great one. Remember, God said to David, go out and knock the Goliath off. David's just a pipsqueak. He's a young man. He's fighting a Goliath, a gigantic big guy. I don't know, 10, 11 feet. Makes no sense that this little guy is going to knock off a giant. But David heard the word of God. David heard, you go, I'm using you to flatten this guy. And again, David trusted in his God, and there's a victory. <clears throat> Look at verse 33, who by faith, others conquered kingdoms, they performed acts of righteousness, they obtained promises, they shut the mouth of lines, 34, they quenched the power of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. I like the one quenched by, um, quenched the power of fire. If you remember the story in Daniel chapter three, three guys, neat names, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, okay? And there's a foreign king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He says, you guys, you're Jews, you bow down to an image that I've made. And they basically say, uh, nope, we're not going to do it. Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 18. They say, God is able to deliver us. Our God can do it. He can deliver us, Nebuchadnezzar. But even if he doesn't, we are not going to deny our faith. No way. And guess what? They're thrown into this fiery furnace. I mean, it's hot. And God honors their faith. They trusted the Lord either way, and they were delivered, and they did not die. I had quite an impression on King Nebuchadnezzar after that. <clears throat> but get this, not everybody that trusts in the Lord sees this tremendous victory. I mean, it, you know, it says here in the beginning of 35, women receive back their dead from the resurrection. That's cool. Hey, that's a good testimony to go in front of the church. Hey, guess what? Somebody was resurrected my family. 
but get the other side of faith. Okay? This is what we probably wouldn't want to testify on a Sunday morning. Others experienced mockings, scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Guess what? They weren't delivered. They went through it. They were beaten. They were killed. They were tortured. So we may not, if we have faith, always see, quote, a miracle where God does a resurrection from the dead. But be guaranteed to this, if God doesn't do a miracle, he will give you grace to get you through the problem that you're going through. And that grace to get you through is a miracle in itself. But it's interesting to me, uh, if you look at the end of 39, all these having gained approval through their faith. All these having gained approval. So guess what? David, who overcomes Goliath, God says, great. I'm pleased, David, you trusted me. Moses, I'm glad you trusted me. Abraham, hallelujah, you trusted me. He's patting them on the back. Yeah, you pleased me. But God's just as pleased with the folks that were faithful, that were tortured. He was faithful as they were being beaten. They were faithful when they were killed with the sword when they were having all kinds of things. So God says, faith, I trust you, is what God wants us to say. When there's a miracle, even if there isn't, I trust you, Lord, you know what you're doing. So that leads me to the fourth point, uh, and that's this. So how's your faith doing? I mean, let's land the plane here. There's been tremendous illustrations in the word of God in actual people of history. So my question to you and me is, okay, how's my faith? How is my faith? Do I really believe God exists? I think that's a no-brainer. Do I really believe in the character of God? Okay, if we do, are we trusting him then in the hard times? Do we trust him that he's still good when hard times happen? Do we still trust him that his wisdom is better than our wisdom when things don't make sense? So are we trusting in the character of God? And then are we trusting that he rewards us when we seek him? It says here in Hebrews eleven six, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Do you believe that? If you seek God sincerely this morning or today and you say, God, I want to know you more. I want to get closer to you. Do you believe God's going to reward that heartfelt attitude according to the Bible? Yeah. So if we seek him sincerely, he will reward us. I can't tell you exactly, but there will be a reward. And then the question I would have here as a challenge is, do we believe his word? Do we believe there are thousands, literally, of promises in the word of God? Are we trusting him? Are we leaning our weight upon that? For instance, let me give you just one. Hebrews 13, 5. The Lord says, I'll never desert you. I will never forsake you. So, what do you think? Do you buy that? Come hell high or water, whatever? God has made promises upon promises like this. But if we don't feel him, then sometimes, well, God's forsaken me. He's taken off. Well, what are you believing? Your feelings? 
or your intellect, or are you going to believe the word of God? That's the bottom line. If God says it in the word, we have to anchor our entire life on that word that he is faithful and true, and that his character will cause him to follow through on any word or any promise he's given us. So I, I, that's a good question. Just wrestle with how is your faith today? Okay. How is your faith? How's your trust level? And the last thing is you might be saying, well, Pastor John, guess what? If I'm honest with myself, my faith level isn't too swift. I, I need to get my faith stronger. I need to be able to trust God in a greater way. And let me just end with this. I think there's three things you can do if you want your faith to get stronger and your trust to get even deeper. Number one, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you need more faith? Faith comes. Get it. Faith comes. How does it come? Faith comes. How does it come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want your faith to grow, read the word of God. Don't just read it with your mind. Begin to meditate over it. Meditating means think about it, ponder it, pray over it. Ask the Holy Spirit, who's the author of the book, Holy Spirit, make these words alive to my spirit. Faith comes by the word of God, by reading it, meditating on it, praying over it, uh, being able to memorize it. You could do Psalm 23 and just do Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Stay with that verse till it lights up, until it changes your life. We could read chapters at a time of the Bible and not really be changed. But one verse illuminated by the Holy Spirit can literally change your life. Psalm 23, 1. You get that verse, man, everything else is going to come together pretty well. And it's many times it's important. Faith comes by hearing. I'm finding it's more powerful not just to read the word with my, my eyes, but to hear it. So not just reading, okay, the Lord is my shepherd, but actually hearing myself say it. Faith comes by hearing, okay? I say, okay, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So I'm hearing myself say it. So, okay, how do you build your faith? It comes by reading the word of God. Number two, it comes by looking to Jesus. Hebrews 12, two, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author. He authors faith, he begins it, but it says he's the perfecter of your faith. So if you want your faith to be perfected, if you want it to grow, study the life of Jesus. He is the ultimate example of what faith looks like. And as we study him, as we hear the words that he says, as we look at his actions, as we see him interacting with people, we'll get a handle of what real faith looks like. And our faith that may be small, as it says here, looking to Jesus, it will be perfected. It'll get stronger and stronger and stronger as we look at the example of Jesus in the Gospels. The third thing, if you want your faith to be stronger, is I would say get extremely intimate with the Lord. This is not just getting a intellectual, I know about God, it's I know God. I know him extremely well. He's my best friend. He's real to me. He's experiential to me. When we really know that we know that we know him, then faith comes. It says this in Psalm 9:10. Those who know thy name will put their trust in thee. Get it again, Psalm 9:10. Those who know thy name, those who know thy character, those who know God experientially, those that can say Psalm 23:1, not just with their mind, but in their spirit, and say, I know that I know the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'll not want. 
I believe our faith and our trust is proportional to our knowing of God experientially. The more you know God, the greater will be your faith. Seek to know him and faith comes in the back door. So friends, it's a great chapter. Faith, in a sense, is a key that opens the door to the deeper Christian life. And I just pray that as we've looked at it, uh, that maybe that's got the wheels going in your brain a little bit on, okay, what is faith? Am I exercising it? And how can I grow in my faith? So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We end, Lord, where we began. You said the just, the righteous, those that are placed into you shall live by faith, Lord. And Lord, that is challenging because, Lord, we live many times by our sight, by what we see, what we hear with our ears, what we can touch with our hands. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to be like Moses. It says he endured seeing the invisible God. Lord, help us to endure, even though we can't see you with our physical eyes, become more real to us, Lord, than our surroundings. And Father, I pray you'd help us to be like Sarah, where it says she considered you faithful, Lord. And that if you said something, you would keep your word. So, Lord, just let our faith get stronger and stronger. I pray for each one on the screen, Lord, that you would just allow our faith to grow almost like a snowball that starts at the top of a hill, it may start small, but as it keeps rolling downhill, it just gathers momentum and gets bigger and bigger. I just pray, Lord, allow each of our faith, Lord, to get stronger as we know you more. Uh, I'll use our faith, Lord, to bring you glory and honor as we trust you, sometimes with even impossible situations. And Lord, whatever anyone is going through today, Lord, whatever the problem is, whatever the battle is, Father, by your grace, help us to exercise faith, to trust you, that you're going to bring good out of it and will come out stronger through the trial than we went into it. So we thank you, Lord, and we just pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.